start a series entitled, Are You Pentecostal? And it's probably going to be a little bit different answers than what you would think throughout this series, but over the last couple months, we, we've talked about some great topics. We talked about, uh, you know, obviously connected with Easter, we talked about Jesus' suffering, His crucifixion, His resurrection. We talked about heaven. And we, we discussed what heaven is and what heaven's going to be. And folks, really and truly, when we think about heaven, it, it takes me back to the old song, What a Day That Will Be. What a day that will be. You know, and, and uh, Brother Dick Holt walked into that presence this last week. Blessed and healed. So when we look at these things, you know, we have to look at the cross and and we look at heaven, and, and, and I want us to understand through this, this time period that God has never intended for us to learn of heaven and sit dormant waiting for its fruition to come into our lives. We've talked about the cross. We've talked about going to the cross and kneeling before the cross. We've talked about taking up our own cross. We recognize and realize the point of our salvation, and yet we look toward heaven, but God never intended for us to get saved and then close ourselves off inside of a room somewhere and tell ourselves now we just have to be really good Christians and just wait and hope for heaven. Go home and sit down on your couch quietly. Don't stir up a fuss. Wear the right clothes. Turn on the right stations. Only watch Christian television. Only read Christian books. Read the newspaper, but leave out the horoscope section. Watch the news, but only Fox News. And if I can do that and hold on to that, then maybe I might be good enough to get to heaven someday. Listen, child of God, that's not what you've been called to. You've been called to more than that. Amen. And this whole thing about Pentecost and this Pentecost Sunday, and, and as we're starting to talk about, are you Pentecostal? It has a whole lot more to do with others than it does us. And what God is trying to do with us. And we're going to begin to look and, and start to look and figure out what it is that, that it is that God is calling us to and what the purpose of Pentecost is and, and to discern whether or not we truly are Pentecostals. So for that to start, we have to look at Jesus' last words to His disciples. If you turn to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now Matthew focuses on a few things out of this conversation. Now this conversation encompassed a lot of different things. Matthew pulls out his part of it. Mark pulls out his part of it. And Luke pulls out uh, what all of the apostles had shared uh, through his historical records of, of what was said. And we're going to look at all three this morning. But Matthew focuses in on, first of all, the authority that was given to Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth. And because he has all authority in heaven and on earth, he gives a command for us to go. Now, this authority, is he saying, I am the ultimate authority. I am the authority that supersedes everything. Everything created, everything natural, everything spiritual. I have all authority. 
In other words, the command I'm going to give you is going to be more important to you and supersede everything that's natural in this world. It's going to supersede government. It's going to supersede kings. It's going to supersede leaders. It's going to surpass the economy. It's going to surpass anything that's taught at any university or college. The command that I give you is going to be greater and more important than anything else on this earth. Why? Because I have all authority in heaven and earth, and this is the command that I give you. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel like. This means this command, if you were to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you stand before a king that says, you bow down to my statue, the statue of me, or be cast into the fiery furnace, you can very respectfully and very honorably and reverently, just as they did, say, oh great king, we cannot bow down to your statue. Throw us in the furnace. My God will either take us or he'll deliver us. Why? Because there's an authority, O king, that's greater than you. You see, my friends, it doesn't matter what we do in our lives as long as we are obeying the ultimate authority. But Pastor Bob, I thought we are supposed to submit. Yes, you submit to your leaders until they tell you to do something opposite of the ultimate authority. And you reverently say, no, I have to submit to God. We have to become, church, we've got to understand. I just started reading a book that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote. It's, uh, it's called The Cost of Discipleship. And he was a Christian pastor, theologian in the early 1940s, in the late 30s and 40s. And he, he, he was in England and he was pastoring in the early 40s. And when he saw the rise of what was taking place in Germany, his homeland, he said, I have to go back and be a witness to them, even if I die. He became a martyr for the gospel. Why? Because there was an authority that was above everything else. There was an authority that was above even his desire to live. He said, I must serve that authority. The same mentality that Daniel had when he was told, you can't pray to your God. You have to pray to only King Darius. You only bow down and pray to him. You worship him as your God. And Daniel said, I can't do that. He didn't hide himself in his house. He didn't hide himself in the corner of a room. He opened the doors and he went out just like he did every day. And he dropped on his knees. And he prayed toward Jerusalem. He got thrown in the lion's den. Obviously, we know what took place. Listen, God may not deliver us every single time in our situation, but He is the highest authority, and we must submit. And according to the scripture we just read, He said, because I'm the highest authority, because of this, therefore, you have to go. And the second thing Matthew focused on was that we were to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Say it like you mean it. Everything. Do you know that everything in the Word of God is the ultimate authority in your life and everything in it is to be obeyed? Now, I know people say, well, Pastor Bob, people were wiped out and people did this and people did that and everything. Listen to me. We'll sit down and, and, and discern all of that doctrinally and theologically with you and help you discern what it is that we obey, but it's true. All of it's true. And it's all authority. Every part of it. 
It has to be the authority in our lives. Do you know that everything you do in your life, everything you do, this call, this commission that God has given us, it is the major of your life. Everything else is a minor. You may be going to work every day as a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a, a homemaker, whatever it may be, a factory worker. That is not your major in life. Too many times people say, what do you do? Well, I'm a doctor. I'm this, I'm that. You are a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is your major. And your minor is everything else that you have to do. You take in, uh, whether it be that workplace, you walk into that place and you have those skills and you're doing those things. But ultimately there, you're carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's your number one priority. Why? Because the one that has all authority in heaven and in earth has told you to therefore go. That's my job. That's what I do. This is the plan and the will of the Father. It's His good and perfect and pleasing will that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. And we can attest to His will when we pursue holiness and righteousness that can only be brought about through obedience to what He has said. In other words, we are not commanded to constantly expand our knowledge of God, but to do something with it. Invest it. Plan it. In the lives of others, and expect a harvest to be reaped, a harvest of righteousness, to truly believe that we will reap what we have sown and to sow to the Spirit so that we will reap accordingly. That's what God's called us to do. And Jesus said, this is the plan. Open your eyes. The fields are white with harvest. It's a plan. There's a purpose. And Matthew also focused on the fact that Jesus promised that He will be with us until this work is to be completed. When is it? The end of the age. Well, when is the end of the age? We know what the end of the age is. We talked about it. It's that time where the throne of God appears and it's so uh, majestic that the elements can't even stand to be in front of Him. They, they run from His presence and they burn up and disappear. It's gone. That's the end of the age. Until that time, following the millennial reign of Christ, this gospel message is going forward. And Jesus said, you're not doing it alone. You're not going to be by yourself. You're not going to have to just do this and stand by yourself in your own knowledge and your own wisdom. You're going to stand before kings. You're going to stand before rulers and judges. And you're going to speak what the Holy Spirit speaks through you. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We can be like Elisha in the same confidence that he had when he sat on the mountain with his servant and then all the, the king and the armies were coming to surround him and the servant got afraid. Oh no, look what's happening. And Elisha says a very, very simple prayer. Lord, open his eyes that he can see. I could just see him grinning when he said it. Playing solitaire, but Christians don't play cards. Maybe he wasn't doing that. just sitting there and the servant opened his eyes were open and he saw the armies of heaven he saw the fiery chariots all around them on the mountainsides and suddenly his confidence was changed you know what jesus said that he's going to be with you to the very end of the age don't be afraid child of god when you're walking into your school place when you're walking into your workplace you are not alone you are not alone this commission is a promise to you. And even if you are alone, you're never a minority with God. I heard Charles Stanley say that a while back. It just stuck with me. Even if you're by yourself physically, you are never a minority with, with God. Blew my mind. So that's so true. And I had to think of little David walking out there to face that giant Goliath. 
David got it. He understood. He defied the armies of heaven. He defied God himself. He can't win. He's a loser. It's impossible. You are never alone. You are never alone. You look through Scripture and you will see great exploits by those who have been empowered by the Spirit of God to carry out His work, both in the Old Testament and the New. Flip over to Mark 16, verses 15 through 19. And this is Mark's account of what took place, what was said by Jesus. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was taken up into heaven and He sat at the right hand of God. Now Mark focused on these things. First thing he focused on was this, this message brings people to a point of decision either for salvation or for condemnation. If you believe, you'll be saved, but those who do not believe, you will be condemned. Now, isn't that the hardest part of this gospel message? Isn't that the most difficult thing when you're sharing your faith? Pastor Bob, I'm not really sure how they're going to react. I don't, what if they don't like me? What if they make fun of me? What if they, yeah, but what if they respond? What if they obey what if they hear the truth and they, they, they respond? You can share the truth passionately if you want to. You can say it. You can present it in all the ways that you know how to present it. But you can't force somebody to come to Jesus. You can't make a person believe. You can bring a, a horse to water, but you can't... You can bring an old grouchy person to church, but you can't get them... <laughs> I made that one up, but you all knew what I was talking about, didn't you? Y'all knew what I was talking about. It's true. You can't force somebody to believe. So you have to give them the options. Either you're going to believe and be saved or you're going to refuse what I tell you and be condemned. Those are the choices. There is no gray area. There is nothing in between. There is no purgatory and give money and pray, pray him in. It's not going to happen. It's got to be one or the other. We're a little bit like Ezekiel who was told by God and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. It's not your job to go and get somebody saved. It's not your job to go and force somebody to believe. It's your job to be a prophet. You speak it. It's up to them. Whether they obey or not, it don't matter. Whether they listen or they heed your, your call, it doesn't matter. It's up to you to just simply speak it. You can't control everybody else, but you sure can control you. You can't tell everybody, what, everybody else what to do, and if you try, they're not going to like you anyway. But you can't tell everybody what to do, but you can speak the truth in love. The most important thing is to know what God has said and is saying and speak it so that they know a prophet has been among them. The second thing he talked about is he confirmed that Jesus would be with them until the end of the age by focusing on what their ministry would look like. When Jesus is with you, things look different. When Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, that changes the ball game. When God is in the house, things look different. They act different. They're not the same. 
And so according to that scripture, Jesus made clear by referencing, saying, hey, this is what it's going to look like, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Everybody say, in my name. Not in my name, not in Bob's name, not in your name, not in somebody else's name, not for your own glory, but for his glory. Amen? I'm not going to put on some sideshow to have somebody come and watch me show off and push people over and kick and yell and, and, and spit and roll and do all this stuff to make myself look good. I'm going to believe God for deliverance. It's in his name. It's not my name. I can't, I can't force somebody to stop being a pornographer, an adulterer, or addicted to drugs. I can't force somebody to stop and leave prostitution. I can't force somebody to stop being a liar or a thief or a drug addict. I can't do that. But I can be connected enough with the Holy Spirit to pray for them and see bondages broken. Why? For the name of God. Not for, me, for the name of Jesus. In his name. In His name, for His glory, they will drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And they drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Everybody say, will. I like that part. I like it. So He confirmed these things. That they would face trials, and be over, but they would overcome. That they would see the miraculous healings of many. In short... Jesus is telling them basically that the ministry I did before you, the things you saw me do, the ministry that I had commissioned and even empowered you and equipped you to do for a short time, two by two, to go out and to have authority. Remember that? Remember that training session, disciples? All those things that took place and you came back excited because the demons listened to you and I said, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice over the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That whole experience, you remember that? This is going to be perpetual. It's perpetual. It's not ending. Authority now. I impart to you. I'm going away. You, somebody's got to do this. And he said, this is what it's going to look like. You're going to face trials. You're going to see some stuff, man. But I am not going to leave you alone. And there is no location to this, church. My problem and my fear is, is that the church in America today wants to see signs and wonders inside the church service. Now, don't get me wrong. In our church, in our, in our, in our Western culture, I'll take signs and wonders anywhere. But the mindset that says it's got to be in the church is off. There is no location. Preacher, we got to have some great services. We need to have some great services, preacher, so we can get people saved and get people healed and get people to come to church and get really excited about Jesus and have great services. We need to have more great services. And if we have great services, then people are going to... You know what would be even more powerful than a great service? is if somebody was anointed by the power of God and they walked through not a church to put on a show or a display for people, but walked through Riley Hospital and started healing sick kids. That might get somebody's attention. What about walking down the street and seeing somebody with a limp and just saying, hey, brother, I'm just walking. You mind if I pray for you for that? And the guy gets healed and you say, hey, God bless you. Walking up, hey, wait, 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 what's going on? Uh, Come first assembly and find out. Listen, it's not just about Pentecostals getting together to have great service because I'm going to be honest with you, that, means, that mindset of Pentecostal is let's just all get together and have great services. Are you Pentecostal? Are you Pentecostal? Luke 24, look at Luke's account real quick. I need to hurry. Roger talked too long during announcements. So when we go along, we go along, blame Roger. It's not because it's not I'm long-winded, Roger. It's just because of you. So. They'll really believe that. Luke 24, 
verses 44 through 51, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When He had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up His hands and blessed them. While He was blessing them, He left them and was taken up into heaven. Now Luke focuses on the fact that Jesus gave them a promise of how they would be able to carry out what He had asked them to do. So we saw these things. Excuse me. We saw uh, the the commission, the authority. We saw all of these things line up. Even Mark saying, this is what it's going to look like. This is what your ministry is going to look like. And Luke really focuses in on, this is how it's going to happen. Here's the driving force. Here's the gas for the car. Here's what's going to propel you. Here's what's going to move you. And the truth of what has been lived by Jesus was the proof of what they would continue. He said, the things I'm sending you to do are a continuation of the very things the prophets have prophesied about, the things that you have beheld with your own eyes and heard with your own ears. Remember how Jesus told them that, that many prophets and righteous men longed to see the things that they'd seen and the things that they'd heard and they'd heard with their own ears. Remember that he said, Abraham, he, he longed to see his day and did see his day and rejoiced because of it. Listen, these men were blessed because they had in front of them the very witness of God Himself in the flesh, walking and walking in the Spirit on a daily basis. How many times did Jesus go to church to have a great church service? Jesus walked the streets and touched the untouchable. Usually when He went to church and had a great church service, He was turning over tables (laughs) or casting a demon out of a deacon. I'm not sure. I think once He healed a shriveled hand in a church service, But he went to funerals and raised the dead. And he walked down streets where the lame would lay, longing to get into some supernatural water movement, and he would heal them, and they would take up their mat and walk. Listen, are you Pentecostal? Are you Pentecostal? Jesus, we see here in Luke, Well, Luke gives a further, more detailed account of what was said by Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. It says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates or that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. The purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the purpose of being Pentecostal has more to do with the mission of God than it does with you. Speaking in tongues. I'll just let that soak in for a second. It has more to do with the mission of God. You say, Pastor, what am I talking about? Let's, let's look at that scripture there. It says, he starts telling me, he said, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then verse 6, they get distracted. Isn't it like Christians that get distracted all the time? God says, I'm going to give you something. Oh, good, that means I'm going to... No, listen! They get distracted. 
He said, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they said, oh, so they met together. And they always get together too. They had a social. They had, had a carry-in. And they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, no, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Here's what it is he's telling them. He's saying, no, but you will receive power. Listen to this and catch this with me. They got saved. They were looking towards the end. And Jesus said, I had work for you to do. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, good. We're going to be in heaven now. You're going to restore everything at this point? No. I have a job for you to do. I have something for you to do. This is not about you just sitting and waiting for heaven. I didn't save you for that. I've saved you for more. I'm bringing you into my mission. I'm bringing you into my call. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we become commissioned prophets to carry the Word of God to a lost and dying world. It is more about your neighbor than it is you. Do you love your family members enough to wait upon the Lord to receive power to lead them to Christ? Husbands, do you love your wives and your children enough to follow and to wait and to be filled with the presence of God on a daily basis to lead them to Christ and to lead your neighbors and your co-workers to Christ? Wives, do you love your family enough Do you love your neighbors enough? They were witnesses of what took place in Jerusalem under the leadership of Jesus. And now they were expected to go out to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus told us through the Great Commission to take the faith that He has given us, the truth that has been birthed in us, and to make it public. He said for us to shout from the roofs that which was whispered in our ears. I remember being a teenager. I didn't want to do that. I did not want my church life and my school life to cross paths. Not, it makes waves when you do that. Not good. Now, I know Pastor Larry's here. This was Pastor Larry's successor, Steve Hayden. You remember that worthless bum? He, he was a worthless bum, and you know he was, because he soaked your windows in an event one night. I remember that, and you attacked him. And I was proud of you for that. I thought that was a good. I was like, fight, fight, fight! Um... Where was I? Oh, yeah. I was, Steve got this, Pastor Steve got this great big idea where he was going to decide to pray at school. And uh, he would come into school and pray in the hallways with, with the youth group before class. And I didn't want no part of that. I just wanted to go to school. I'm not going to church. I want to go to school. And I'd go to school, and I did really good avoiding him, and then he would move around. He wouldn't pray in the same place all the time. He'd move. And one day, I come down the hall, and I turn the corner, and there's Steve. Hey, Bob. Hey, Steve. Forgot something. Got to go. <laughs> they don't want that. This Christianity thing, we need to keep it separate, man. Do that at the church, and when you're school, you do the school thing. Don't make waves. Don't make people come and talk to you and see you praying in front of Man, that's just going to invite trouble into my life. Don't do that. Well, obviously, something changed in me. I you say, Pastor, why? You don't want to... <laughs> hey, man. Shut up, Larry. Not this Larry, other Larry. I don't want people thinking... <laughs> he just told Larry Verdon to be... No, it's not. I'm talking to the big, bald Larry back there. The mean... The tall, mean Larry. Something changed. I, I, we said... Uh, I said at uh, Benjamin's... They say, Pastor, you don't, you don't pray... Man, I've prayed on the street. I've prayed in hospitals. I've prayed... Funeral homes, I've prayed on the streets, I've prayed everywhere. I've, I've prayed a lot of places. I sat at Benjamin's the other day with Stanley and Greg, and we sit there and held hands at the table and pray. I bet people look at us and say, what in the world's wrong with them people? I don't even care no more. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, hallelujah. Now, we weren't loud and obnoxious. I mean, we weren't having church. You know what I'm saying? We were just praying. 
praying for one another, praying for needs, and things are going, listen, man, this thing that God has called us to is something that we're supposed to live out loud. We're, this is something that we're supposed to impact the lives of other people. He has never called us to some kind of a wishy-washy faith that is to make your supernatural travel plans to heaven. And once you get your travel plans to heaven set, to sit back and to be quiet and to wait for that traveling day to come and then bless God when the traveling day comes, then you just get to go to heaven. That's not what God's called us to. He's not called us to some kind of a doctor's office type of Christianity where we come in maimed and sick and lame and just miserable and sit there and wait. Well, I had an appointment and the appointment just isn't coming quick enough. I want to get there and get to my healing as quick as I can. Bless God, I'm just miserable as can be, but I'm waiting until the doors open and then the, the, the good, the, the great physician will take me in and I'll be healed. Listen, God's not called you to live miserable, quiet, inactive, and uneducated in your walk with God who He's called you to be. He's called you to be Pentecostal. Are you? There's a gap that's got to be filled. And this gap is called the blessed life. I'm not talking about financial blessing. I'm not talking about financial. Listen, somebody can be absolutely poor, broke, naked, living in a prison cell and live the blessed life. I'm talking about a person that's got a purpose, a person that's heard the highest authority call their name. Are you Pentecostal? When I say, are you Pentecostal? Most people will gather, according to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, most Pentecostals, when they hear that, would naturally go to that scripture and say, please explain to me what Pentecost is. And they would say, well, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separating, came down the rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit enabled them. Listen, there's, there's no way you can get away from the personal experience of being immersed in the, the Holy Spirit. There's no way you can escape that. It's going to impact your life in a very special way. But when we think of Pentecost, we often think about people being empowered by God to be commissioned prophets, those that are going to speak. But however, tongues take such a huge precedence in the church that we get confused and we focus so much on tongues. We want everybody to have tongues. You've got to have tongues. You've got to speak in tongues. Everybody needs to be speaking in tongues. Everybody to... And I don't want to take tongues out of it because it's there. But the fact of the matter is, is you can't lose, you, you, you can't miss the forest for the trees. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the tendency for people to say, well, they've got tongues like they've achieved some kind of accomplishment and goal and then they stop in their life and act like, well, I can speak in tongues. That's good enough. Listen, it is not about accomplishing a tongue. And the tendency for churches today is that tongues is controversial enough that we want to defend it. We want to teach it. We want to preach it. And we want to, we want to give all these examples and explanations of it. And it's all positive and it's all good. But the problem is, is that we eventually become uh, to a place where we got people seeking it for the wrong motive. I want to speak in tongues because that's what we do. People speak in tongues. That makes me spiritual. I want to speak in tongues. No. We should not be driven to speak in tongues for speaking in tongues sake. We better love the lost and God will empower us to reach them. That's Pentecostal. That's the purpose of Pentecost. We can't just stop right there at verse 4. We can't just look at that because what happens then is if, if, if Ezekiel was alive today... 
with this mentality, Ezekiel was alive today and all the visions he saw of heaven and everything that God spoke to him, he would step back and he would say, he would talk to all of his prophet buddies about all the wonderful divine revelations that God did. And they would sit down in a little program on television and just discuss back and forth that God did this for me and God did that for me. And he might even write a book about it. Peter, in his, his experience, Peter might write a book about how you can receive the steps to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of church growth. You see, we take things and we twist it. And it's not about building us. It's not about having wonderful church services, though I believe a Pentecostal Spirit-filled church service is the only way to go. Amen? Amen. Amen. It can't be about it. I didn't see the apostles going around to all the synagogues and just having great services. I saw them create some pretty great services in open places that wasn't expected. Folks, I think you're starting to understand what I'm talking about. Pentecost has a greater purpose than just an awesome church service. Pentecost is in the New Testament word, uh, the New Testament word meaning 50th. Used to describe a festival that was required by God called the Feast of Harvest. And this day is also referred to as the Day of First Fruits. According to Scripture, it was to be observed from the second day of Passover in seven weeks, 49 days counted, and this feast was to be held on the 50th day. It was on this 50th day that the Holy Spirit was poured out in that upper room. It was because of this festival that there were such a large number of Jews from all over that were in Jerusalem that day. God does everything for a purpose. For example, we just talked about uh, the, the crucifixion here a while back. Just coincidentally happened at Passover. God didn't plan that, the sacrificial lamb. Of course, we know God was purposeful in that. And then he said, wait, wait a little bit longer. And 50 days later, he says, you know what? I think I'm going to celebrate a harvest. Amen. He said, hey, look around you guys earlier in his ministry. See the fields are white with, with harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are. He said, hey, I'm going to bring all that into mem memory here pretty quick. Just go wait. I'm going to wait for my timing. And he poured his spirit out on that 120 in the upper room. It seems to me that the purpose of Pentecost has more to do with the offering of ourselves as first fruits, just as Jesus did, and to reap a harvest. Acts 2, read on down verses 5 through 14. I know we've read these before, but you can't just stop at 4. The purpose of the infilling was so that the harvest would come in. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Do you know that God has placed people in your daily life connected to you, attached to you daily that need to hear the truth. He's perfectly timed your co-workers and your neighbors and your friends to hear. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of, these, each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues amazed and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean some however made fun of them and said they have had too much wine then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice addressed the crowd fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what I say somebody became a commissioned prophet 
Somebody now was no longer hiding behind little girls around fires, afraid to be recognized or connected with Christ. Somebody suddenly, something changed in Peter, and he got up and he began to speak, and we know what happened on that day. You say, but Pastor Bob, do I have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved? Absolutely not. Passover represents the salvation experience. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, does a transformational work. You're justified before God. Sanctification begins to start in your life. But this is a separate event. It's a a further down the road, a 50-day later event. An empowering work, a commissioning of prophets. But Pastor Bob, I thought I could not live holy until I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is false. You have a measure of the Holy Spirit at salvation, does a transformational work in your life, and He begins to prepare you for His service and His work. Folks, you cannot have a measure of the Holy Spirit and not be effective. You will be effective no matter what. If you start walking in obedience to the Word of God, you don't have to speak in tongues. You're going to be effective. And anybody that tells you different is a liar. I don't care how many Pentecostal preachers have got up and in defense of their doctrine and out of fear of the Baptists and other people in the community have lied and said, you can't reach the loss unless you speak in tongues. That's a lie. That's heresy. How do I know? Again, Apollos in the book of Acts, he only knew the baptism of John. And yet the word says that he was strong and mighty in the scriptures. He knew the word of God. He obeyed the word. He found Christ in the word. He began to teach and preach the word. He was a fellow servant with the apostles. Listen, he did come to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He did come to that eventually. But the fact of the matter is this. A person doesn't have to speak in tongues and roll on the floor to be effective. As a matter of fact, since I'm on the topic, let me just say this. If you speak in tongues and you have no holiness, stop it. Go back to what you were doing at first. Repent and be saved. I don't want some kind of learned language where a person wants to spout off in a service or during altar time and deceive themselves when their life is full of sin. Quit it. Stop it. That's no more God than you are. Wow, pastor, that's a really mean statement. Well, I love you enough to tell you that if your life, if you have nothing but compromise in your life, do not, I repeat, do not, Try to speak in tongues and interpret and prophesy in here. Folks, get your life right with Christ first. Holiness comes at salvation. The Holy Spirit will enable holiness in your life even before you ever speak in tongues. If you're speaking in tongues, you have no holiness. You need to rewind because all you're going to do is you're going to be a stench to everybody that comes in contact with you in the church and outside of it. Not only will you be not making disciples, you will be making sons of hell just like the Pharisees did. Hypocrisy is an ugly, ugly thing. Go ahead and smile and say, we love you, Pastor Bob. Thank you for beating on our heads and stomping on our toes. You know what I have a vision of? I have a vision of a church that's full of people that take this call and this commission seriously. That's why I say these things. Because I've got it all figured out and I'm perfect? Absolutely not. Come spend some time with me. You'll see that's false. But I will tell you this. God has called us to be Pentecostal. And over the next several weeks, as I have Devin come, we're going to close down. But over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to be Pentecostal. And you say, Pastor, what's it going to be? I don't know because God hasn't revealed it to me yet. I just, by faith, saying it. That's scary, isn't it? (laughs) 
Have you moved from a mindset of salvation to a mindset of harvest? Have you become strong enough in your faith where every day is not just about trying so hard to live another day for Jesus, and instead you've begun to have a burden for your friends and family to be saved? Have you allowed God to lead you outside your comfort zone as these 120 were and were made fun of for it? Are you ready to join yourself with the mission of God and see others come to Christ, souls saved, bondages broken, addictions demolished, families restored, bodies healed? If you answered yes to these and have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, man, you need to start seeking God about it. Say, Lord, I, I, I desire to do your mission. I desire to. Listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about a status thing here. I am not talking for too long in, in Pentecostal circles. If you didn't speak in tongues, you were just a second-rate individual. You need to believe with faith. Listen, man, I understand there's all different situations and scenarios. Here, as a child of God, you're on the same plane as me or anybody else. We're just sheep trying to follow our shepherd. Amen? But, but if you have a vision or a burden for others... God has placed that vision, version and vision, whatever a version and vision is, a vision and burden inside of you because that's his call. And he will, everybody say will, he will empower you to carry out that which he has called you to. He will. This isn't a salvation thing. This is about God empowering me to do your work. We're all different parts of our walks with Christ. Some of you may seem freaked out and you don't feel like the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something you're interested in right now, my advice to you is this. Focus on becoming a student of the Word of God. Okay? Pastor, I just, this is all new to me. I'm a new believer. I don't, this is kind of freaking me out. Listen, I don't want to freak anybody out. All right? Open up the Word. Read it. We have avenues where you can be taught and discipled here. You can learn about it. I promise you, God's going to lead you to it, and it's not going to be a scary thing. What else do you do? If it's a little freaky to you, here's what I tell you to do. Pray. Pray again. Pray continually. Pray some more. Pray without ceasing. Pray with believers. Pray with other believers about it. Talk to your pastor. Have him pray with you about it. Keep praying. Because when you converse with God, he's going to converse with you. And when he converses with you, you have a prophetic thing begin to happen inside of you. Don't stress about it. This is, this, this is a good thing. This is a gift that the Word has said has come to us from the Father. And He gives good gifts. Don't separate yourself from the body of Christ. Don't make yourself feel less unworthy or anything else. If you can have an impact by obeying the Scriptures, as I've said. To those of you who simply want more of God, it's here for you. Whether you receive here today or at home, it doesn't matter to me. Again, pastors try to measure their success based upon all these other things. Well, we had 15 speaking tongues today. Well, we had this and that. Listen to me. I can't force anything on anybody. We already talked about that. Pastor Bob, if we, we have this opportunity and the Spirit of God comes in here and He fills every single one of you with the Holy Spirit, so be it. And if He fills none of you with the Holy Spirit, so be it. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be just as happy because all I did was is I was just a prophet today. It doesn't rest on me. It rests on you and God. And, and, and you being willing to allow God to work in you and to have his way with you and submit to him. And it, it depends upon God. If you're ready and, and he's ready, boom, there you go. But if you don't, don't leave this place mad and angry and upset with God. Stand with me this morning. Here's what we're going to do. And I know I'm late because of Roger. But you got... 
And I know that several of you are saying, Pastor, I, I want to stay for that picture for Pastor Allen. That's fine. I'm just going to give God an opportunity. And if God takes over and does what he wants, so be it. Pastor Allen would love that more than a picture anyway. If I know the man, he would. How many of you here, you say, Pastor Bob, I, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. Raise your hand if that's you. Don't be afraid. You're amongst brothers and sisters. We're not going to make fun of you and laugh at you. Now, all of you that didn't raise your hands, you're not a nobody. And these people aren't better than you. And they're not more specialer with God than you. They're just some people receive because, well, I'm going to be honest with you, loud mouths receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit a whole lot easier than the quiet ones. I'm just going to be honest with you. Just going to be honest with you. It's true. Quiet people, they get filled in their prayer closet at home. They get filled when they're driving down the road by themselves. They, they don't like to do it in front of people. I don't know. That's crazy. And my wife, April, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit in a youth service. They've been praying and fasting for weeks for a missions trip to go to the Philippines. And she, she, had never, she hadn't been baptized with evidence speaking in tongues clearly. And uh, she was in there and she just began to pray for these little kids and the Spirit of God come on her. She had a really heavy burden for them and she just began to cry for them and cry out to God for them. And before long, she's speaking in tongues. And then every time she's so quiet, she's like, it's okay. Just let your guard down with him. And here's what we're going to do. If you've not been baptized by the Holy Spirit, they've been speaking tongues. You want to be? Just raise your hand so I know how to pray with you. Say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be. I want to receive this. There's one. There's some. There's some. Amen. Good. So what we're going to do is, it's all of you that say, how many of you, okay, how many of you say, Pastor Bob, I just want more God. I don't care what he does. Okay, everybody that just raised your hand, I want you up here now. All right? You can bow. You can stand. It don't matter. And I'm not going to push you over. I'm not going to slap you. I'm not going to do anything. And even those of you who, who raised your hands and said you would like to receive, I may not even touch you at all. I don't know what I'm going to do. But we're going to pray. And I'm just, being, I'm just being a responsible prophet. Okay? I'm just giving you the opportunity. I can't force anything. What we're going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And Dev, I'm going to have Devin lead some music for us. And here's, I don't, I don't want you to sing the words. I don't want you to sing the words. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get into your mind two or three people that you are burdened for. Loved ones, friends, co-workers, schoolmates. And as Devin's leading this music, I, I want you just to begin to envision them and ask the Holy Spirit what it is that He would have you to do for them. And here's a couple things that may happen. One, he may give you a vision of how to minister to them. Okay? And he may also baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, it's going to require you cooperating with God and speaking what he leads you to speak by his Spirit. But I'll tell you this, if you think about it a whole lot, it's going to mess you up. It's not going to happen. Lose yourself in worship. Lose yourself as you pray and seek the Lord and have a burden for the lost this morning. I'm going to have Devin lead us as I pray. Father, just begin to lift your hands and seek him right now in your own way. Father, we just come to you this morning. A worship service earlier was so sweet. Your presence was so sweet. God, you manifested yourself here. 
And Lord, I know that you love this community enough to commission prophets this morning. I know, Lord, that you love this community enough that you would call us to live Pentecostal, that we would obey your word and we would live daily what you've called us to be. And Father, this, this moment isn't some kind of a weird, scary thing. I pray, Lord, that you would just be very sweet in this place, that your presence would move very quickly, very subtly, and Lord, that people would respond to you in obedience today.